are Hope Church Guildford. This is a recent recording from our Sunday morning gathering online. Please go to www.hopechurchguildford.com for more details. We look forward to getting to know you. I'm going to be reading from the end of Galatians 5. So Galatians 5 verse 25 to the end of Galatians 6. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you may become tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions, then they can pride in themselves alone, without comparing themselves to someone else. For each other should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the world should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh with the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, we have opportunity. Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. See what large letters I use as I write to you with my own hand. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. Not even those who are circumcised kept the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule, to the Israel of God. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you in spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Well, wonderful. Thank you so much. And good morning and welcome to Hope Church. It's so great to be speaking to you again live this week from the offices. And um, I just want to thank you, Emily, for that amazing spoken word. And that phrase, I am part of a bigger story, a tapestry of life itself. So I will wait and I will trust because he is God and I am not. It's just so, so good. And such a creative reminder to place our trust in God and draw into him, even in the midst of uncertainty. If, if you're new, let me introduce myself. I'm, I'm Chris and I have the joy of being one of the leaders here at Hope Church. And uh, you've picked a great Sunday as today we're finishing the book of Galatians and finishing this series, which we've called Grace, God's Undeserved Favour. So... Today, you really get a summary of the whole book and uh, just in half an hour as well. And uh, it's right out of the passage that we've just heard. Over the 
two weeks, actually following um, this Sunday, over the next two weeks, we're going to be having two one-off talks, one on suffering and one on joy. You know, why does God allow suffering? And we'll be going through the book of Job and pulling out some things then. And then after that, Ed Poulton will be speaking on the topic of joy, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. And then I'm really pleased to let you know that Rahana is going to be kicking off our four-week Christmas preaching series as we head into the Decem- into December, uh, which is going to be great. So do stick around for us over these next few weeks. But for now, let's talk about Galatians chapter 6. And this morning, I've entitled the talk, A Grace-Filled Church. And uh, this is going to be quite a practical talk about what it means for us to be a church full of God's grace. And it all comes out of this chapter. So we're going to look at five key things that we can find in the passage and then we'll pray. All right. So firstly, to be a grace-filled church, we need to keep in step with the Spirit. And it really follows on from last week. That verse 25 of chapter 5 says, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Being a grace-filled church is the same as keeping in step with the Spirit of God. And it's, it's quite a funny verse, really, because it says, Well, since you live by the Spirit, you need to live by the Spirit. And it's like, well, which is it, Paul? Do we live by the Spirit or do we need to live by the Spirit? Which, which one is it? And the answer is both. You know, every person who puts their trust in Jesus is filled by his Spirit. But every Christian also has a choice every day to follow the Spirit's instructions. And that is a choice. You don't need to work at having the Spirit in you. You do need to work to keep in step with the spirit you know i have two children and they're fantastic they're they're great fun and uh, and can be a pain sometimes too but they don't need to choose to be my daughters or they don't even need to try to be they just are they do though have a choice to live as team kimbangi by you know showing respect kindness forgiveness and so on that is a choice they need to make in the same way We are sons and daughters of God, heirs to the throne, not under law, but under his grace, filled with his good gifts, blessed by him and loved by him. And and this is true and something that we just don't need to try to be. All those that follow him just simply are his children. It's great news. But we can choose how to live as his children. We can choose to love him back, to let the Holy Spirit lead us, to trust God and to follow him daily. We can choose to be obedient to the Spirit. You know, when you become a Christian, it is true that you are filled with God's Holy Spirit. But do you know what? You remain to have free will. And then you have a choice to walk each day in step with what the Spirit would want for you. And so it's a good question to ask, what does the Spirit want? Well, the Spirit wants to show you how to live like Jesus and how to glorify him in everything that you do. The outworking of that is that you display the characteristics of Jesus in your life. And we read about these last week because they're the fruits of the Spirit. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and of course, self-control. Interestingly, pretty much all of these is unable uh, 
to obtain and it's unable for you to do by yourself. In fact, they are all needed in relationship with others around you. It's, it's actually to glorify Jesus through his body, which is the church, which is why these, these fruits are needed and given. In fact, you could say that most of those fruits are kind of meaningless if you try to work them out in isolation. They are meant to be worked out in the body, in the church of Christ. You're made to be in community. And so let's just take a couple of them. Love is what you demonstrate to someone else, you know, and patience. Well, you demonstrate that when, the, when people annoy you are around you and you demonstrate patience. Kindness and, and goodness are, are traits that help you build others up. They're all about relationships. And you might say, okay, well, what about peace and joy and self-control? Surely they're individual insular fruits. Well, that's true, but even those impact others when we bear them out in our lives. You know, when the church is filled with grace and the people of God walk in step with the Spirit, good fruit is displayed for all to enjoy. And this fulfills the law of Christ, which is to love our neighbours as ourselves. So church... Relationship, community, connection, that's what the fruit of the Spirit is for. And a grace-filled church is a church where everyone chooses to walk daily submitting to the Spirit. And the fruit of that is borne out in our relationships. And do you know what? It just benefits everyone. So good. So as we move through the passage, the second thing that a grace-filled church is like is one where we hold the right view of ourselves, of each other. Some of the verses said this, let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Later on, it says, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. You know, this is basically saying, if we become conceited, then we will inevitably end up on the one hand, provoking one another, or on the other hand, we will envy one another. And this just leads to unhelpful comparison and we deceive ourselves. That, that word conceit, it's, it's not really a word we use nowadays, is it? But it means to have the wrong view of ourself. Whenever you meet someone, it is estimated that you make a snap decision about them within a fraction of a second. And you will weigh up a judgment of them on many different grounds. Are they trustworthy, intelligent, secure, safe? Are they good looking? And so on. Basically, we compare. And when we do that, we end up either feeling superior to that person or inferior to that person. And it's easy to do in church life too. Either we feel superior. Oh, I'm clearly more gifted than that person. Or oh, I should be the one leading that. Or I should be the one teaching there. Or we can feel inferior. Oh, well, everyone in church seems to have their friends and, and I don't. Everyone is more gifted than me. Everyone's got their sins sorted and so on. And we can feel inferior to others. When we feel superior, we can easily provoke one another, even unintentionally by the way we talk about ourselves and our accomplishments or our status. And that can just breed disunity and we are deceived. It's easy to put others down and we know what, we're just not called to do that. But similarly, when we feel inferior, we can easily envy one another and you will wish that you had what they had. And, and you know what? 
We miss the God-given gifts that God has given you when you don't express yourself as God has intended you to be. And then the whole body just suffers. And that is easy to, uh, for it to then breed disunity as well as you start to distance yourself from them and the church and, and perhaps even try to imitate others instead of just being yourself. Because uh, as that famous saying goes, everyone else is taken, so that's all you can be. Both of these things are born out of conceit, which, as I mentioned, is when we hold the wrong view of ourselves. You know, in, um, in our family, over the last six months to a year or so, whenever the kind of kids are arguing, it basically comes down to comparison. Oh, I want to go first, or she went first last time. I want to sit on the left or on the right. I want the red cup, the blue cup, the yellow cup. I want this toy, that toy. And uh, if you've got kids, then have you ever noticed that when one wants to play with a toy that is the others, but they haven't played with it for years, suddenly it becomes their favourite toy again and, and they want it. And do you know what? That comparison is just a killer and uh, so we shout in our family, comparison is a killer of, and everyone shouts, joy, because that is so true. And this is what we've been discovering as a family. And so it's great when I hear the kids shouting it and we just, we just squash all the arguments. Whether it's inferiority or superiority, both are conceit. You know what? Don't evaluate yourself, don't evaluate yourself that way. What's important is how God sees you you know he delights in you and has chosen you to be in his family despite the sin in your life he has chosen you by his grace and we need a church who sees themselves as god sees them and that is the key to genuine humility because everyone ultimately behaves out of the beliefs that they have about themselves and so we need to view ourselves as god views us jesus he wonderfully demonstrates this throughout his life you know, he never provokes his disciples and be like, hey, look at me, aren't I mighty? Check this out. You want some wine? Boom, on tap. No, he doesn't do that. He, he washes his disciples' feet. And how can he do that? Well, he does that because he knows his identity. He doesn't provoke them or taunt them, but equally, he's not inferior and say, oh, I'm nothing, I'm a worm, I need to get down and wash your feet. No, he doesn't envy his disciples. He was confident and secure because God was his father and that released him to serve others and it brought unity to all the believers. Your, your conduct is determined by what you think about yourself and so when we have the right view of ourselves, we're able to walk in humility, not thinking of less of ourselves, but as the saying goes, thinking of ourselves less. So come on, let's make sure we don't become conceited because comparison, whether that brings a sense of inferiority or superiority, it will kill joy and it will breed disunity. And we're called to be a people of grace. That's walking in step with the Spirit, as we've heard, and having the right view of ourselves. And so thirdly, a grace-filled church carries one another's burdens. And uh, so verse two, it says this, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. You know, in life, stuff just happens, 
and it can feel like carrying a weight. It can cause you stress and, and pressure as it's always there. It's, it's a weight or, or a burden and it can be long lasting like family difficulties, ongoing illnesses or, or even debt or sometimes it kind of creeps up on suddenly and it's a sudden ill health issue or it's a sudden bereavement or it's a sudden issue with a house like burst pipes. Either way, it feels like a weight. And it's important for us to know that it's not a sin to be burdened. You know, we're not meant to just think positively or, or fake being happy. You know, Jesus was burdened many times when he was carrying the weight of the world and it was overwhelming and he wept. Often he would go off and pray in a solitary place. He would take rest, eat meals. Sometimes he just wanted to be alone. And you need to know that it's not a sin to be burdened. And it's also important for you to know that you're not meant to cope alone or assume that private prayer does the job alone. Actually, Jesus says, come to me and he will give you rest. So it's important to come to him and make it a matter of prayer. But Jesus is also at work in his body. That's the church. And so when you come and when you share a burden in the church with the people that you trust, Jesus is working through his body and Jesus can give you rest as we bear one another's burdens. You know, Paul, he often had help and support. In fact, the students in 20s have been studying Philippians and they've seen how Timothy and Epaphroditus supported Paul while he was in prison. You know, when life stuff hits you, it's easy to hide away and just pretend to be happy. But Jesus can minister to you through his body. And that is God's grace at work through his church to you. So we all need to be you know, sensitive to one another and be ready to help release that load and demonstrate some compassion. And uh, so what I'm going to do with you now actually is I'm going to share an example of what grace looks like in the church. And it's really the whole message of Galatians. And so um, it'd be great if I can have a volunteer. Anyone? Yes, we've got Will here. Well, thank you for wearing your mask, Will. I will shall put mine on too. And um, so in Galatians, there was a bunch of people called the Judaizers. And these people would basically come along and say, you know what, it's all good being a Christian and trusting in him, but you actually need more. You need to do other things. You need to get circumcised. Really? <laughs> oh, wait, and that <laughs> what I sign up for. And that was a burden. They were laying a burden on the people in Galatia. They would also say that you need to follow and go to Juris religious festivals. And perhaps you would need to do other things like pray. And you would also need to give money and you'd also need to of course make sure that you are doing all the prayers and that you are reading your bible and you're doing all those things and do you know what what they were doing were just loading burden upon burden upon burden they were loading these people up with the rules and do you know what that's the complete opposite of grace it's just not what walking in step with the spirit looks like this is what it means to be in step with the spirit my, my brother or sister, he's, you know, they're struggling there. Maybe they're, they're, in, they're in debt in some way. The car's broken down. Well, maybe can I help you? Can I just pay for that MOT? Let me take a, a, a load off. Or maybe they're just really struggling. Hey, do you want to chat? Let's have, let's have a phone call. And you can come. Let me take a burden off. Maybe it's, uh, 
you know, we're just we're going through a hard time. Do you mind just like if we can just meet up and just talk it through? Absolutely. Let's take that load off. Maybe it's um, they're just I don't know. There's something's happened with the kids, and you know what? They just need to have some time away. Hey, what about we just come and we just babysit for a couple of hours so you can have a have a rest, and we'll just take off that load. You know, maybe it's just oh, struggling with Bible reading. Can can we come and talk it through? Absolutely. Let's take off that burden. And we can do that in lots of different ways. That's what it means to be a people of the Spirit. We come and our friends are lighter and better off because we are people that walk in step with the Spirit. Thank you very much, Will. And so there you go. Walking in step with the Spirit is taking burdens off. And this is what it means to fulfill the law of Christ. This is what it means to make sure that we are a people who walk in step of the Spirit, remembering that grace, in fact, the whole book of Galatians, if, if there's one thing that you remember about the whole book, it's not to place bricks on people, but to take them off. That's what grace is. That's what it means to share one another's burdens. And I hope you found that helpful, just a representation. But in this section of Galatians, Paul, he decides to pick on one specific burden and that burden is a burden of sin. And so that verse said, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. And so we want to be a grace-filled church, but what about sin? What about that person that you're meeting up with in the church and uh, who is part of part of your life group or part of the group that you're in and they're full of the spirit yet they're caught in sin what do I do then is it grace to just turn a blind eye or is it grace to restore that person well certainly grace doesn't mean that we just ignore sin a grace-filled church is not one where just anything goes where there's no boundaries no no we we heard last week that freedom has a context God's people have crucified the flesh with its desires and the spirit leads us into something much more awesome than sin. So we don't despise them or we don't look down on them. We don't judge them. Certainly we don't gossip about them. All of those things are conceit. That's us feeling superior to them. No, the truth is that you're no different to them. You too are a sinner saved by grace. And so we're called to be kind and sensitive. And so it says you who live by the spirit restore that person gently and it's like saying to, to those that are spiritual you know you can have a positive impact on those struggling in sin but he does give a warning and he warns in the rest of the verse that those who are spiritual may also be tempted and so it's really important that if you're going to point people to Jesus that you're also in a good place with Jesus you know there's no point or there's no, it's no good pointing people to kind of Jesus if we're not heading towards him ourselves so those who are filled with the Spirit restore the person gently because they're also on that journey of heading towards Jesus and walking with him and learning to obey him on their journey, remembering that they are also sinners saved by grace. And that's what it means. And that, that word gently, gentleness is like strength under control. And so it's one of those fruits of the Spirit. And, so, and the aim of that fruit is restoration. Action is there to be taken. And verse six says, it, it, verse six doesn't say what to do or how to take it, but it does say whatever you do, you do it gently. It's not about telling them off, 
but more like pointing them to a better way. It kind of goes like this. Hey, you're choosing to live your life like this right now, but let me point you towards a better way. Let me point you towards a way where you can enjoy the freedom you have in Christ. Let me share you with you what God's best is for you. You know, at Hope Church, we carry each other's burdens by bringing restoration, not by ignoring or condoning sin, because a grace-filled church is one that walks in step with the Spirit, that knows our identity in Christ, and that carries each other's burdens. And we've got two left. So fourthly, fourthly, um, we have a culture of sowing and reaping. This is like a farming analogy and one that he uses quite a bit over these next few verses. And he says this, Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Right, it's a great verse. Do not be deceived though. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please from the spirit, from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let's not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So there you go. It's a typical farming analogy. If you sow barley, you'll reap barley. And uh, if you sow wheat, you'll reap a wheat harvest. If you sow poor seed, you get poor harvest. If you sow plenty, you get plenty. If you sow little, you get little. Hopefully you get the picture. And you can spot a church full of grace when the whole culture is one of sowing and reaping. Sowing in faith, confident that God will do something amazing. And that's grace because it goes against all logic and reason. You know, when you make sacrifices, when you give abundantly, when you share your time and your energy and your effort, the world will tell you that you will have less. Yet Jesus says, it's better to give than receive. And in God's economy, somehow when we give of ourselves, we actually feel better. We're, we're restored, we're refreshed. We, we gain a better perspective of our own sins and our own issues. Ultimately, it produces in us more joy when we give of ourselves. This is God's grace because it opposes a law mentality. How much is enough? What's the kind of minimum I should do? What's enough to be accepted? Grace says, what more can I give? How far can we go? What more can we do? You know, when the farmer sows, he is giving away and it is hard. His stocks are being depleted but he's not looking down at what he's given away. No, he's looking forward in faith for the harvest to come. A grace-filled church is one that doesn't look down and get caught up in the sacrifice now, but it looks ahead in faith at the joy of the harvest to come. And it isn't, and it isn't Jesus just a wonderful example to us in that? Because when he says, for the joy set before me, he endured the cross. He was looking forward to the harvest not down at the crucifixion. He was a, a man full of sowing re reaping, sowing now even though it was hard, knowing in faith that it was gonna be a harvest to come. And so throughout those verses of sowing and weeping, and, and reaping, um, sometimes it's weeping because you know it's hard work, but sowing and reaping, there are three things that he pulls out. The first one is sowing faithfully with our resources, our personal, oh sorry, the three things are resources, personal holiness, and in doing good. So the first one, resources, it says in verse six, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. So God is calling us to make sure that in the area of giving, 
time, encouragement, support and friendship, that we are exercising faith and seeing it as an opportunity to sow into what God is doing throughout the church. These are these verses are linked to the church. Really, it's linked to finance and money. But whether it's money or time or, or words of affirmation, these things can all be hard for us to give. Yet Paul encourages us to share the good things we have in proportion with what we have uh, so that we can see God do amazing things through the church. What about personal holiness? Verse 8, it says, whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. This is the way to live. Don't look for a Christian rule book uh, for the minimum to do in life, but instead be full of the spirit and let him guide you and help you sow into eternal life. Sow into what God wants. You know, take the situations of life and plant seeds of faith in them, not looking down at the challenges of today, but up at the harvest of eternity. A famous boxer recently said, overnight success takes 25 years. And, uh, you know, personal holiness is, is very similar. Spiritual disciplines, good habits, they take time. It takes consistent daily decision making to walking step with the spirit. And you know what? Suddenly the harvest comes. But first we need to sow the seeds. And that is hard because our hearts are hard and breaking bad habits are hard. It's hard work being a farmer and churning up the ground, but they do it because they have faith in the harvest to come. And for us, that's eternal life. So it's good to be a people that are sowing and reaping in our personal holiness and our spiritual disciplines. And then the third thing was to have a culture of sowing and reaping. It comes in the form of doing good to others. So verse 10 says, or in verse nine, let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good uh, to those around us and those who belong to the family of believers. So, you know, there we go. As we have opportunity, let us bless. Not because we have to, but because it's an investment of faith. You know, every time you sow that good work, that act of kindness, that phone call or that gesture, you invest in the kingdom of God. So come on Hope Church. We're called to be a grace-filled church. And this whole book is about God's grace and how his grace saved us and set us free for a purpose and for a reason. A grace-filled church, it walks in step with the spirit. It holds the right view of ourselves. He carries one another's burdens. It has a culture of sowing and reaping. And lastly, it never gets tired of the gospel. And so verse 14 says, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Neither circumcision or uncircumcision, it means anything, but what counts is the new creation, peace and mercy to follow this rule of the Israel of God. And that the Israel of God is the people of God. That's what that means. From now on, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, you're with your spirit, brothers and sisters, amen. You know, being a grace-filled church is a church that never grows tired of the cross of Christ and all that it has accomplished. Ultimately, the church is not about meetings or programs or courses or Zoom coffee or YouTube. We're not the clever ones. We're certainly not the most sophisticated ones. We're not the most flashy ones. We don't have all the building, the answers, the vast army. We don't have all the, the skills, but 
We're simply a people saved by grace, living by grace, filled with grace, all because of what Jesus did by coming to this earth and making a way for everyone to come to know him. We remember the cross and the good news that Jesus' resurrection speaks to all humanity. We know and we have, that we have a way to know wholeness and peace and restoration with God through Jesus coming to this earth. And though it might sound foolish to some, God chose to use the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And so we boast in the gospel of Jesus Christ alone, because it is a one who unites everyone and every one of us. And it leads us to keep in step with the spirit, to hold the right view of ourselves as sons and daughters of God, to carry each other's burdens, supporting one another, to have a culture of sowing and reaping and to never get tired of his good news, of this wonderful message of grace. And so, there you go. That's, that's it. That's the end of Galatians. That's the book. That's all about God's grace, his undeserved favour. And so what I'd like us to do, I just want to finish up by just praying for us that we would be this grace-filled church. So why don't you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for this amazing book. And uh, yeah, though, Lord, we've kind of gone through it in eight weeks or we recognize that this is a book that um, will speak into our hearts that we daily need to work through for the rest of our lives and I pray that the message of grace would seep into everything that we do thank you Lord God that that this is who we are we are a people of grace thank you Heavenly Father that uh, we do carry one another's burdens, that we support one another. Thank you, Lord God, that we love to sow into your kingdom and, and look forward to all that you might do amongst us in, in this place and across the nations. I thank you, Lord God, for, you know, upcoming how we get to sow Paul and Joe into the Middle East. And we're looking forward ahead um, for all that you might reap and, and bring a harvest out of that place. And yes, Lord, we know it's difficult, but we pray for them and we pray, Lord, God for all the other different initiatives or God that we're involved in all our hope works and and all the things that we do together in our life groups and our home groups and our student groups of our youth work and our children's work and we just thank you Lord God that you're with us and you're for us and we just pray help us Lord never to be a people that lose sight of the gospel never to veer off never to get stuck in dead religious rules or in just kind of no boundaries and no context and license to do what we want. No, Lord, we want to be a people that walk in step with your spirit daily, that day by day we trust you and we follow you because we know, Lord God, it's all about you. It's all about that relationship we can have with you, Jesus. And so we're trusting you. We're committing ourselves to you again. And we're asking you, Lord God, that you would bless us and fill us with your spirit as we walk through the journey of life together. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ is with your spirit, brothers and sisters. Amen. Thanks for listening. We're meeting online every Sunday at 10 a.m. Head to hopechurchguildford.com for more information. We look forward to seeing you.